Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Holy Week Revival Podcast. This week we are excited to welcome special guest speakers, Bishop Steve Fender from Living Way Church in San Antonio, Texas, guest preacher Jabin Chavez from Free Chapel in Irvine, California, Pastor Jonathan Moore from North Rock Church in San Antonio, Texas, and our very own lead pastor, Rex Johnson. Let's stick around until after the message for a very special announcement from Worship Pastor Randy Davenport. And now with his message entitled, Power in the Palm, here's Bishop Steve Fender. John 12, 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was come to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. You may be seated. God bless you. This is Palm Sunday. Did you know that? If it's Palm Sunday, hold, let me see your palms. Okay, you knew that. This is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is an exciting, exciting time. You know, I, I'm, as I get older even, I'm more tender-hearted. Like on television when they, they show people that are hurting, little children, I, I can't hardly watch that stuff. It just it breaks my heart to see all those little children around the world. And last night, I, you know, I, I'm an old man. I've been doing this a long time, been around it all my life. People have talked about Calvary. Ever since I can remember, I've preached about Calvary. And last night at our, at our drama we were having, when they got to that Calvary part, it touched me so much I got them left. You said, how can you do that? I don't know. But I'm just touched by things that are real and, and people that are hurting. And there's so much. Becky told me yesterday, she said, man, you're so easily touched anymore. And, and I take that as a compliment. The Bible said Jesus was touched with the feeling of our infirmity. I believe when I'm hurting, it touches Jesus. And so when I'm hurting, it ought to touch you. When you're hurting, it ought to touch me. And we ought to be in this thing together. We need one another. This is a tough world. But praise God, we've got a great God. A great God. And so today, I'm not here to preach a great sermon. I'm here to see if there's somebody in this building that is hurting. See if there's somebody here that has a need. See if there's anybody here that's not saved, somebody that's sick, somebody that's despondent. Have you ever preached? There's some preachers saying, have you ever preached and had somebody leave your service and commit suicide? I did. One person that I know of for sure. And that's been 30-some years ago. And every day of my life, I think about that 16-year-old blonde-haired girl that visited my church and sat on the second seat one time and I didn't do her justice. She went home and hung herself. So when I come to this pulpit, it's not about talent or ability or about somebody saying, oh, he preached good. It's about making sure that everybody in this building is ministered to and we allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us. And that's the reason why your pastor's out there on that porch. He's not out there because he needs sunshine. He's out there because he loves you and he wants to see and touch and feel as many people. And he, like I, it's, it was easy to do when we had 50 people. But when you get thousands, it's more difficult to do. And so I, I, I make myself available out there in the front. I expect people to come up and tell me what's going on in their life so that we can minister to them. This is, this is not about collecting people. This is not a Spurs game without a basketball. 
this is the house of the Lord, and we're in this together. And we need to love one another and care for one another and care about one another's families. So let me share a little bit from the Word of God, and I hope that somehow I can help somebody in this house. Palm Sunday, the first Palm Sunday was pregnant with prophecy. It was a fulfillment of what the Old Testament said was going to happen. And it happened that day. This was the moment that Jesus stepped out of the shadows and stepped in to the very manifestation of his ministry, of what Jesus Christ is, was, and what the Father sent him to be. Not only was prophecy fulfilled that day on that Palm Sunday, but prophecy of what Christianity was to be was exemplified. It was the prelude. It was the example of what it should be. When you go to a church and it's a, it's a dismal place, it's a discouraging place, it's a legalistic place, I remember as a boy many times I'd leave church and I'd actually feel worse and have less hope than I did when I went in. That tells you you're in the wrong church. That tells you you're in the wrong church. And so this is what this was. There was an upcoming crucifixion that was going to be horribly painful and agonizing, but this was the moment that he said, I want to show you the paradigm of what the gathering of people ought to be. This is what it ought to be was the first time that Jesus Christ had ever been celebrated to this degree on this Palm Sunday. It was the fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. Lowly, riding upon an ass and upon a colt of the foal of an ass. So it was that fulfillment. But it was also the showing of what was to come. That Christianity was not going to be a religion of dismal condemnation, but it was going to be a celebration of the arrival of the King of Kings. You know, Jesus spent a lifetime and then three and a half years of ministry of humbly serving the people. And the Bible said this. I always think of this when I see preachers promote themselves, and we do that sometimes. But the Bible said Jesus made himself of no reputation. All the time he was trying to hide behind the will of the Father, that his flesh would not be glorified. That was the image of, of Christ that he projected. And it was Jesus that would say to his mother when she would push him out that first miracle, he'd say, it's not my time yet. It's not my time yet. Let's don't push this thing. It was Jesus that would say to the leper after he had healed him, if you go, don't tell anybody. Don't tell them what I've done. Jesus, by very nature, was not one to project his image. But yet, on this day, he orchestrated this event. It was he that said, go down and get the foal of a donkey, and I'm going to ride on that. And he knew that it had tremendous image. He knew that there was enough knowledge in the Old Testament prophecy that people would automatically see him for who he was. He didn't do that because of the ego. He did that because it was a mandate from the Father that he now present himself for what he was. Came as a baby, lived as an humble, humble man, exemplified the love of God. But now it was time to let the people that really wanted to know who he was. Because you have to realize these were a people that had sat in a great darkness for a long time. And they were looking for a great light. And it was time for him to declare, I am that light. I'm the one you've been waiting for. 
I am the king. It was the first time that he ever made that. And he did this silently just by riding in on that colt. The same Christ that before had said, don't tell anybody. At this time, he let him know. He would, initiate the, he would initiate this by riding on a donkey rather than a horse. If he'd come on a horse, it meant he was came, coming to declare war. Jesus did not come to declare war on the people. He came to bring us peace, peace that would pass us understanding. This event was ripe with prophecy of what was to come. Jesus wept over Israel that day, the Bible said. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and he wept over it, saying, If thou had known, if you would know what was going on in this day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now are hidden from thy eyes, he cried. Jesus cried because they did not know who he was. And the lack of knowledge kept them from receiving. Jesus today is still brokenhearted, but the people do not know who he is nor do they know his ministry and what he can do. People oppose the very one that is their healer, oppose the very one that can save them, are willfully ignorant because they just cannot believe that he is who he said he was. And so Jesus wept over Jerusalem that day. But this was the Palm Sunday. This was the triumphal entry, the first celebration as king of Israel. And when he came riding in on that foal, there were people that were there, and they were there really for one reason. They were there because most of them had been there or had heard about what he had done at Lazarus' tomb. When he stood and cried with a loud voice and Lazarus came out of that tomb, he said, loose him, let him go. It made a vivid impression on those people. Nobody had ever had that kind of power before. And so they came to see if, it was a, if he was a one-hit wonder. They came to see if that was just one time or if he was a God that could replicate himself and do this over and over. See, there are still people that believe that Jesus was a one-hit wonder, that Calvary was a great spectacle, but for 2,000 years, he hasn't done anything. They don't understand what he's done in millions and millions of life because they haven't received him. They don't believe anybody can. Because they haven't been healed, they don't believe anybody has. Because they haven't seen signs, they don't think there's any signs. And so Jesus Christ was there. And he was there as a prelude to what I am going to be. That I am not just a Messiah that comes quietly to hide away. I'm not just a good teacher. I'm not just a, a fleeting king or a political motivator for the moment. But I am the king. He was showing forth that in the presence of these people. And as a result of Lazarus' resurrection, they came with expectation. And when he came riding in on that colt, something happened. Those people that so willingly surrendered that donkey and that colt, both the colt and his mother were brought, and Jesus came riding in on that colt. They willingly surrendered that colt at just the, at the slightest invitation. How come you're taking him? The master has need of him. And they said, oh, okay. These people were believers. They apparently knew about Lazarus' resurrection. They had an inkling. This might be who we think he is. This could be the one. This might be the long-awaited Messiah. Go ahead and take this donkey if you want him. Friend, do we have that same anticipation that the Christ of the ages, that the Christ of Golgotha, that the Christ of Gethsemane, that the Christ of the past is the Christ of the 21st century? Do you really believe all the evil and all the turmoil and all the violence and all the terrorism in the Middle East? Do you think that's just a passing thing? Or do you realize that as a built, building block in the plan of Almighty God, that Christ himself is about to manifest himself with a second coming? 
But before that second coming, we're told there are going to be glorious things that are happening, ladies and gentlemen. And so we that are Christians should not be shrinking back in terror and fear of what's happening with ISIS and all of these things. We ought to say, oh, this is the ingredient. This is the missing ingredient of what God said was going to come to pass. And so we need to get ready because God tells us before he comes again as Christ in the rapture and the second period, there is going to be a mighty revival and harvest take place. That's where I believe we are now. I've been preaching the gospel for almost 50 years. Praise God. Almost 50 years I've been preaching the gospel. It's easier now than it's ever been. I've been preaching and inviting people to save, to come to Christ and get saved. I'm seeing more people come forward now than I ever have. I'm seeing the Spirit of God explode. I was in Ohio last week in two different churches, Cincinnati and Dayton, and we had explosions of the Spirit of Almighty God. There is a hunger that is being developed and an appetite that is being developed where people are beginning to hunger. A little fear is not good for Christians, but for those that are not Christians, it is the beginning of wisdom. Fear will bring you to the Lord, but he will never leave you in fear. Perfect peace will cast out fear. You see, when I was a young man, it was exactly reversed. The church was afraid and the world was brave. Today, the world's getting afraid. The church needs to be brave. We need to say this is our best day because Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. Praise God. They surrendered what they had. That donkey and that colt, that foal were, were, were valuable property to them. It wasn't just one person. Look at it. It says plural. The owners, plural. That means it was a family. That belonged to a family. There was a family that had had that and they sacrificed it because they believed in what was about to happen. I ask you, are there any families in this church that are making those kind of sacrifices of time and devotion and money and saying we believe that this is our finest hour? We believe that we are on the verge of our Palm Sunday. We believe that Christ is about to do something in our family, in our church, in our city, in our world that we have never seen before. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not whining about the times that I'm living in. I'm thanking God every day that I wasn't born a hundred years ago. I'm thanking God that I was born to where I am in full charge of my faculties, that I might embrace this moment because it's going to be the greatest day of my life. The Bible said there's a day reserved unto the Lord. This is the Lord's day. Ladies and gentlemen, just because there's trouble and chaos and pain and fear doesn't mean the Lord's gone out of business. He saw the end from the beginning and God said, I will be the champion of the ending. I promise you that. There is going to be a, knee, a day when every knee bows and every tongue is going to confess. Praise God. It's time for the church of the living God to surrender what you've got to God and say, God, I am impressed with the opportunity that is before me. When Lazarus was resurrected, he wasn't just a, a sister's brother. It wasn't just the friend of Jesus. When Lazarus was resurrected, hope was resurrected and all of those that were looking for a Messiah. This is the one they said, never a man spake like this. They were amazed and said, what a word, what a word. The Bible said they were amazed at his power and his authority. And there was born that day when Lazarus came out of that grave a brand new hope. This could be him. This could be him. This could be the beginning of something big and powerful. And so it was that same crowd that followed him to Jerusalem. And now there they're waiting as he rides in on that colt. And somebody says, hey, that's what Zachariah said he was going to do. 
truth. This could be him. This could be the long-awaited king. This could be the king of Israel. You have to understand that Israel for a long time had been under the cruel heel of the Roman Empire and they had been persecuted and so suddenly they got hope. This could be the king of Israel coming. And so they could not contain themselves. They begin to praise God. They begin to magnify. They begin to worship the Lord. And they said, this could be he. They worship the Lord with loud voices. They clap. They got palm branches and begin to wave those palm branches. Were a symbol in the Roman culture that a royalty had arrived. That's what they did when kings came. They would take those palm branches and wave them. And so here was the common people with their own king. And now they're waving those palm branches. Somebody got excited and took off their coat and threw it down in front of that coat and somebody joined them and after a while there is a whole highway of clothing that is before that coat and Jesus rides in on their sweat toil soaked clothing friend I want to tell you it's time that we throw away our flesh before Christ and say Lord what is in us is greater we're ready to sacrifice our flesh because we really believe in this I don't know what you believe I'm sold out to the gospel of Jesus Christ Hallelujah. And friend, I want to tell you, those people were being amazed moment by moment and second by second. The scales were falling from their eyes gradually as Christ began to rise. But I have knowledge they didn't have. You have knowledge they didn't have. I ask you this. Could they be so exuberant? Could they be so filled with praise and and manifestation with the limited knowledge they have and we be any less? What we know, what we know ought to cause us to to be in a place where we cannot be silent. The Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Have you been redeemed? Do you know the future? Do you look at television and hear these people talking and pray for them? Can you pray for them as Jesus prayed for those that crucified and say they know not what they do? They're ignorant. But the scales have fallen from my eyes. They have no idea this is a battle between God's kingdom and the kingdom of darkness, between Christ and the Antichrist. Friend, if we really believe that, we must begin to worship the Lord with new found zeal. We don't care what people think. I don't care what people think because their conclusions have been failing them for years. But my conclusion has caused me to come from a long way off. The Lord has brought me. The Lord has digged me from a horrible miry clay and put my feet on the rock to stay. I'm not ashamed of him. The Bible said if you're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of you before the Father. I'm not ashamed of him because of what I know. Praise God. Every day I get up. Every day I get up, it's my Palm Sunday. The King is coming. The King is coming. He's going to ride into my life today. Are you living life with anticipation? Friend, you're not a person of faith if you're not living your life with anticipation. There are people that think that I've been so blessed that I ought to take a vacation and let somebody else get blessed. But he don't, have to, he don't have to quit blessing me to bless somebody else. God's got plenty to go around. I'm not taking a vacation from the blessing of Almighty God. I'm going to rise every morning and say, this is the day the Lord hath made. I rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to loan him my foe. Something's going to happen today. The king is going to manifest himself in my life today. Praise God. Where the word of the Lord is, where the word of the king is, there's power. The word of the king is in my life. There's power. There's power, praise God. 
Hallelujah. These people with their limited knowledge, they believed that Jesus was just coming as the king of Israel. They were glad for that, finally under that terrible heel of the Roman Empire. But, oh, friend, I'm going to tell you what, something glorious and more glorious than that is happening. He's not just the king of Israel, but he's the king of kings. They didn't know that. He's the Lord of lords. He's the savior to the entire world. He is the God incarnate. He is the image of the invisible God. But celebrate, they did with much rejoicing what little knowledge they had. They cast their clothes before him. They raised, they waved their palm branches. They were beside themselves. They were the object of ridicule. Look at them, they're so emotional. But friend, I don't mind of being called emotional about Jesus Christ. I see people get excited about ball games. I see people get excited about political contests. I see people get excited about winning the lottery. All of these things might be wonderful and they might be fun for the moment, but what I am emotional about is eternal. What I am emotional about encompasses my life for eternity and my family. Praise God. Praise God. They praised God and worshiped in the face of opposition. Are you afraid to praise the Lord in a building like this where everybody in this building agrees with you? But have you ever praised God, praised God where there was opposition? I remember we're blessed in San Antonio now, but it hadn't always been like I wanted to be. I remember we were having a tremendous struggle, a tremendous financial struggle back probably 25 years ago. And I used to be on, on the radio 15 times a day. No, I'm sorry, 15 times a week. Fifteen times a week I was on the radio. I was serious about getting a church built. I was on television ten times a week and spending money I did not have. And I just had to build a church. God called me there to build a church. And I remember going to KSLR. There's the radio station on there on the 12th floor of the building over on Fredericksburg Road. And they're still there. And I remember going to that 12th floor, and it was a tough day, Rex. It was just, it was tough, brother. It was tough. You ever have those days? I just didn't know whether 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 it was going to work or not. I just had to I just had to suck it up and believe God. Now I remember getting on that elevator on the twelfth floor, and it's a slow elevator. And I said, God, and this is what I've always done. I've always done that when my faith is tested. I believe the greatest example of my faith is to praise God. To praise God, you can't see. And believe God for something you don't have. And so I just went to praising God. I was all by myself in that elevator. Just praising God and glorifying the Lord. I was just speaking in tongues and I was praising God. I was in the elevator myself. It wasn't a problem. But I didn't realize that slow elevator had made its way to the bottom floor. And all the, all the people in that great office building was coming back for lunch. There must have been 150 people in that elevator. And I was standing there and I didn't know the door had opened. And when I finally opened my eyes, there was... And when I walked out of the elevator, it was like splitting the Red Sea. Nobody, they gave me plenty of room. They said, that man is crazy. They didn't say that out, but in their mind, I know what they're thinking. He is crazy. But friend, I'm not ashamed to praise God anywhere, anytime. I believe in this man called Jesus. I believe he is the creator. I believe he is the redeemer. I believe he's my soon coming king. 
I don't mind people criticizing me that wouldn't help me if I was dying. And I'm praising a God that will be with me in my smallest or greatest need. I don't mind those people criticizing me if that's what they want to do. And so those, those Pharisees begin to criticize those people that were welcoming Jesus Christ with their worship. And they turned to Jesus and said, your disciples are making a fool out of themselves. Look at them. Said they're being very emotional. Said, why don't you tell them to shut up? Why don't you tell them to stop that right now? Oh, he said, well, if they do, the rocks will rise up and begin to praise me. God's going to have a people that praise him. God is always going to be worshipped. You can be assured of that. And friend, I'm always going to be one of the worshipers. I'm not going to let them take my praise away because it's not expedient anymore. Can we that know Jesus so much more than they knew him worship him any less than they did? Can we do that? I say a thousand times no. Can we let this present culture of being politically correct silence our praise? No, we cannot because we know him. Do you know Jesus Christ? Friend, the Jesus that I know is not the one that I learned as a boy in a legalistic church. That was a mad God with an anvil that he was about to drop on my head. That was a God that was spying on me just hoping I could do something wrong so he could send me to a big devil's hell. That was the God they told me about in my infancy, but that's not the God that I found. I had to find him for myself. The preacher's well-meaning but misguided didn't really tell me about the God that I found. The God that I have found is a God that loves me not because of my perfection but in spite of my weakness. I love a God that loves me because he is touched with the feeling of my infirmities. My weakness and my sin touches him and does not repel him. When I make a mistake, it actually causes me to draw closer because I know I need him and he knows he is able to meet my need. And we are close because of my weakness. He is the father and I am the son. And we both appreciate our roles so vividly. We know who he is. And so this one that I know demands it demands that I praise him. I know that one man on that coal. I know who's coming down the road to Jerusalem. And I'm going to announce that he is not only the king of Israel. He's not only the king of Israel. Oh, no. He's the friend of sinners. That's who he is. I know him. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is the Lord of lords, and he is the king of kings. I know him as the great advocate. I know him as my counselor. I know him as the intercessor on my behalf. I know him as the eyes to the blind and the ears to the deaf. I know him as the savior of our souls. I know him as my substitute. I know him as the one that is never, never going to let my falling down destroy me. I know him as the one that resurrects my failing hope. I know him as my provider. I know him as my Jehovah Jireh. I'm sorry, Pharisees. I must praise him. I must announce him. I must glorify him. Oh, I've heard him sing. 
and he cannot be asked to sing in a trio with Gandhi and Muhammad. He must be the soloist. There's nobody that sings like him. The voice of my beloved. I appreciate all the good that all religions do, but there's only one Lord. There's only one faith. There's only one Savior. There's nobody like the lowly Jesus. And so no matter what you say, I see the king coming down the road and I must praise him. I must take off my clothes of flesh and throw them before him and let him trample them to naught. I must do that. I must wave my palm and say, praise me. Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. Hallelujah. I know him as my redeemer. I know him as the lifter of my head. I know him as the reverse to my curse. I know him as the quickening spirit. I know him as the soon coming king. I know him as the only sustained resurrection. There's talk about other people that have been resurrected, but they couldn't sustain it. By and by, they died again. But praise God, he which was, which is, and which is to come. I was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. That's who I serve. And that God is in this room today. He's in this room today. Somebody that's got a pain in your heart, the healer's in the house. Somebody that's got a sin, the redeemer's in the house. Somebody that's broke, Jehovah Jireh's in the house. He's in this room right now. Can you give the Lord some praise? Shotoloboho. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Let us today, on this Palm Sunday, declare him to be the king of our life. Let us cast our cloaks of heaviness ever before him and put our garment of eternal praise on and let the joy of the Lord be our strength today. The joy of the Lord. Let us take the palm branches of our heart, those emotions reserved only for the rarest ecstatic moments of our lives and successes. Uh, let us take those branches today, those that we would reserve for the, for the birth of our child or the birth of our grandchild or for a job promotion of the marriage of our daughter, those great moments in our life. Let us take those palm branches and let us begin to wave them and say, I'm waving them to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because he's my King, he's my Savior, and he is my friend. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. There's lots of things happening today in churches. Lots of changes being made. Merging churches, churches that are changing their protocol. I have a problem with none of that. In fact, I commend and embrace every method that will cause more people to receive the Christ that I know. And so if you can do something that will make it more palatable, please do it. But there's one thing we can't do away with, and that is worship for who he is. For it is that revelation of who Jesus Christ is that changes the world. It was to Peter, he said, upon this rock. It's not as some churches say, not on Peter the rock, but on the revelation rock. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Father which art in heaven. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is the only one that died for you. He's the only one that went to hell for you. 
He's the only one that nailed your transgressions to the cross in your place. He's the only one that saw you at your worst and loved you for your best. Jesus is that Lord. He's the only one that did not cast you away. And he said, I will in no wise cast you away. It doesn't matter. He said, I won't throw you away. Come to me. Cast your cares on me. And so we cannot in any place and any time silence the worshipers of the 21st century. The 21st century worshipers must be more mobile, more vigilant, more boisterous uh, than those of the first century because we know more, we've experienced more. It's time we, oh, what a song they sang, what a song they composed today. We must keep composing those songs about Christ and we must sing them. Sing them on the square. Sing them in the marketplace. Sing them at work. Sing them in the sanctuary. Let the Lord be praised, for he is worthy of praise. He inhabits the praise of his people. The Lord excused you from perfection. You don't have to be perfect to be the Lord's. He excused you from perfection but he never excused you from praiselessness. Every believer, every believer has to be one of praise. You have to be cognizant of where he found you and what he's done and what he's doing and where you're going. He's worthy of praise. We don't all have to have the same personality. We don't all have to sing at the top of our voice. We don't all have to dance, but all of us have to praise somehow. We have to praise somehow. I told you one time when I was here before, I've got a mind like a library. I told you when I was here before one time about the Methodist preacher that said he liked church to be quiet. He couldn't stand it for people to become noisy in church. He just wanted his church to be well organized. It fit with his dignity, with his education. But he said, I had a son that was a high school quarterback. And he said, I went to see him play ball. He said he wasn't only a quarterback, he was a good quarterback. He said that kid had an arm on him like a shotgun. He said he could throw that ball. And said he threw a pass that was unbelievable right into the outstretched hands of a kid in the end zone. And he said when he did, I jumped up on those bleachers and I screamed, that's my boy! And he said everybody around me looked at me. They wanted me to sit down, but he said I wouldn't sit down. That was my son. And he said, there I was, a Methodist preacher. And he says, sure as I stand here today, the voice of the almighty God, the father of all, spoke to me and said, how come you'll act like that for your son, but you won't act like that for my son? What would I do for my sons? I'll do anything for my sons. I will talk about their virtues. I'll stretch it a little bit. Bigger, stronger, better, faster, whatever. I had a friend said his, his, his cousin was playing in the World Series, Yankee Stadium. And he said, I called my friend to tell him, my cousin is in the World Series at Yankee Stadium today. But he said his son was playing in the Little League. And said, by the time he got through talking about his son in the Little League, he said, I didn't even mention my cousin at Yankee Stadium. It just didn't seem important anymore. That's because it was his son. Well, this is God's son. 
He wants to hear you acknowledge every good thing in Christ Jesus. He wants a little emotion, if you don't mind, about his son. He wants to say, he wants you to say he's altogether lovely. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the bright and the morning star. He is the savior of the world. He is the mighty God incarnate. He is the lover of mankind. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He is the ever-present help. And he has not gone away, but he's here in this building right now. This is Palm Sunday. And if you could open your eyes, you would know that Jesus is riding in this building today. And he's saying, does anybody recognize me? Does anybody know who I am? I can't, I can't hold my peace. And so in the ch modern church today, I'm going to go with, along with a lot of things. You can have your dancers. You can turn the lights down low. You can do all kinds of things. I don't care. You can shorten the service, just condense your praise, but make sure you get it in there. I don't care what you do as far as your method, but there's one thing you can't do. You can't exclude the man on the colt. You can't exclude the Palm Sunday. You can't exclude the virtue of the one that saved me. I know too much. I've seen too much, and he's been too much of a savior to me. Praise God. Don't tell me to hold my peace. Don't tell me to hold my peace. I was in Fort Worth, Texas, where a woman praised God until a cancer fell off of her forehead and landed in her lap. I've got to praise him. I was in Peoria where a young woman praised until her deaf ears were opened. I was in Indianapolis until a demon-possessed college student from, from Indiana University at Bloomington sitting on the front seat that had come to hassle the preacher, start weeping, lifting his hands, and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he was a Satanist. Uh, don't tell me to hold my peace. Uh, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Things are changing. Things are changing. Jesus Jesus is coming out of the shadow. I see him. They got a colt ready and is going to come riding in to planet earth in a brand new way. Palm Sunday is coming again. It's time to celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I was in Pensacola, Florida preaching a revival when a hundred Satanists came into the church in Pensacola. I never will forget this. And I preached that night. But what I finally did that broke the thing wide open, I just read the note. I said, I read the note from memory. It said simply, we are the Satanists of Pensacola. I'm the leader. We've come here to shut this revival down. When I read that note, nobody got a gun out. Nobody got a knife out. Nobody doubled their fist. Nobody said, you all get out of here. That 800 people in that building jumped to their feet, threw their hands up, and began to praise God. You see, our weapons are, are, of warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. They're mighty through God. They're mighty through God. You can do more with a praise than you can with an argument. You can do more with love than you can by proving somebody you're right. Just give God the praise. Give God the praise. He said, execute the judgment written with your high praises. That's what the psalm said. Execute the It's already been written. All God knows is they needs is for you to pull the trigger by praising him, and he will execute that which has already been written. Hallelujah. Praise God. And when that 800 people begin to praise God, within about five minutes, 
which that young man in a buckskin jacket walked down, shook my hand and said, Sir, I wrote that note and I am the leader of the Satanist movement in Pensacola. I want to find your God. And when I laid my hands on him, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He turned to a hundred followers and said, This is what we've been looking for. They lined from side to side. I laid my hands on them and about a hundred people that were Satanists 20 minutes ago were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me to hold my peace. I can't hold my peace. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And he's in this building right now. Can you give God some praise in this house? Let's stand on our feet if you would. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I'm a problem. I'm a problem for the new church because I won't quit loving them and I won't go away and I won't quit worshiping Jesus. What you gonna do with me? What you gonna do with me? I ain't going nowhere. I ain't going nowhere. You might look a little bit different, dress a little bit different, do it a little bit different, but praise God if you name the name of Jesus, I belong with you and here I am and you've got me on your hands. I'm a praiser of the living God for he is my savior and my friend and he's in this room right now. Would you stand on your feet and give the Lord some praise in this house? I just refuse to fight. Somebody said, Creflo Dollar is going to raise $69 million for his own jet. Isn't that a shame? I said, don't bother me. I said, I'm not going to ride on the jet. I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, though. I'm going to send him $300. I said, why? You think he needs the jet? I think it's not up for me to decide. Because, you see, I'm not a fighter. I'm a praiser. $300 is not going to mean nothing to me. It's just going to mean, hey, you've got a good spirit. You're not jealous. You're not covetous. You just want the whole body of Christ to be blessed. I don't care. I don't care. As long as you'll worship Jesus Christ and lift him up, I'm going to let you and God work out all the details if that's all right. Just work out your own details. That's what he said. With your own, with fear and trembling, work out your own salvation. You work out your own details. But do you love Jesus? Do you believe Jesus is your Savior? Do you believe Jesus is coming? Do you believe he loves you? Do you believe he cares for you? Do you believe he took your sins away? Do you believe Jesus is in this house right now? Then come on. Let's get on board. Let's worship him. Let's glorify him. Let's lift him up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're in this room today, your need might be this big. I mean, it might not be nothing to me, or it might be stage four cancer. It doesn't matter. Jesus is able to meet any need, no matter how big or how small. Jesus is able. He's in this place right now. And the devil's trick is to get us to fight with one another, to get our mind off of worshiping God. To come see the great Indian chief, said we would have defeated the white man, but we busied ourselves with lesser battles. I'm not going to get in lesser battles. I got a big battle to fight. Say, so how do you do that? 
when I worship Jesus, his presence comes down. The judgment of the word of God is executed. The battles are won. It's not up to me to win every argument, to straighten out every doctrinal question, and to get everybody told that I don't agree with. That's not what God called me to do. He called me to be a messenger. He called me to be a messenger. He called me to tell you about the reality of this Jesus Christ. And he is real, folks. And he's in this building right now. He's in that pew you're sitting in right now. And if you've got a need in your life, you ought to step out of that pew right now and rush this altar in Jesus' name and say, I'm going to worship the Lord right now. I'm going to praise the Lord right now. I'm going to let God do what he wants to do. That's what it means when he said, I will inhabit the praise of my people. That means when you praise God, God comes down, gets into praise, and wins the battle for you, whatever it is. If you're in this room, you need to be saved, this is your altar. If you need to be healed, this is your altar. If you need the Holy Spirit, this is your altar. If you've never been baptized in water, this is your moment. If you've got sickness in your body, God is your healer. If you're broke, And that concludes today's podcast. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening. Hey, this is Randy Davenport, lead worship pastor here at Christian Life Austin inviting you to check out our new single, Resurrected One, available now on iTunes and at cdbaby.com.